because none of us are just anything. You know, that's a story that we build around ourselves and an identity that we give ourselves, but that's just a creation. And if you can challenge those creations and strip them away, then you can really let your light shine. I'm Janet Ahmed, host of Hacks and Hobbies podcast and a digital presence advisor at HumbleZone. This episode is brought to you by Home Studio Mastery. I launched a consultation and course program to help podcasters and course creators to create a space in their homes that will reduce the friction of creating content and appearing their best when showing up on camera. The pandemic gave us a lot of issues, but this one is here to stay. We're now so much closer to our audience thanks to video becoming more popular and affordable. I help guide folks who want to create Hollywood-worthy studios to not only capture great content, but also build more confidence, more authority, and be more comfortable in front of the camera. If I can do it, you can too. And with my help, you can do it faster. So if you'd like to learn more, visit homestudiomastery.com and how you too can create a home studio that brings out your personality, professionalism, and possibilities. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. Today I get to speak with Jason Portnoy, entrepreneur, venture capitalist, and author Jason Portnoy began his career at PayPal. Working closely with technology icons like Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, Max Levchin, and Reid Hoffman, he served as the first chief financial officer of Plantier Technologies and later founded Oak House Partners, a top-performing venture capital firm. Jason is sought after as a trusted advisor to technology company CEOs and has spoken on topics ranging from executive leadership to the intersections of technology and humanity. He holds engineering degrees from both Stanford University and the University of Colorado. This is going to be an awesome conversation and we're going to go deep into the mind of Jason Portnoy. Jason, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. When we first met, it was through a connection, my good friend Andy got us connected and we, you know, had a conversation. And because of automations we were talking earlier, apparently I totally forgot to have a follow-up automation email that sends out like, hey, would you like to be a guest on the podcast? And I didn't even think about that it was there. And Jason I'm like, yes, I would love to, to be a guest, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because I was thinking of asking you, but then the automation did the work for me because a lot of the times like, I don't know if I should ask. I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm glad that it did. Good. Yeah, me too. So what I like to start with, and guys, you definitely need to pick up the book, is to, you know, just to start with a little bit of an origin story on how it all started. I know mm -hmm. we all come from different backgrounds, different uh, neighborhoods and 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 whatnot but how did where did you get started where was that first entry 
to the real world that opened up your eyes? Oh, wow. Great. You know, starting off with a small question. I like it. No. <laughs> well, we haven't said the title of the book yet. The book is called Silicon Valley Porn Star. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I have to tell people these days, there's nothing pornographic in the book. Yes, there isn't. But, and there is a reveal early on that explains where the, the porn star name comes from. Mm -hmm. But, you know, very fundamentally, it's my story. I was a humble kid, grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey. Both of my parents worked white collar jobs. I had a sister who was five years older than me and we were pretty close, but you know, she was doing her thing, um, with her friends. And I was kind of a normal kid, played soccer, did boy scouts, you know, thought I wanted, was interested in math and science. And so then I went off to college and studied engineering and, and then I went off to graduate school at Stanford in California. Mm -hmm. And then I Fell, that was kind of during the first dot-com boom. And then I kind of fell into a job at a company that later became PayPal. And I was kind of lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I know we make our own luck to some degree. And I'd worked very hard in school to get into mm -hmm. Stanford and be in the middle of the, the dot-com thing. But still felt very lucky. Yeah, And I got swept up in the whole Silicon Valley thing and PayPal grew and I was working with these really incredible creators that we all know today. They were not household names before, <laughs> but Peter mm -hmm. Thiel, Elon Musk, Reid Hoffman, Max Levchin, amazing creators who've gone on to create lots of amazing things after PayPal. Yeah. And as a kid, you know, I was still really young. It's kind of only in my mid twenties and I started making a bunch of money and I kind of went off the rails at that point. And uh, it turned out I had some, some traumas from my childhood mm -hmm. that I didn't really understand had, had been as traumatic for me as they had been. And so when I started to experience this success and get a taste of the the money and the excitement and all of those things that we all kind of feel like we want. It was like a kid, I don't even know, getting candy or something. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I just couldn't have enough on this journey. I don't want to go too far. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a, that's a great start. And it's interesting you mentioned, right? You got the taste of money at, you know, mid twenties, you were in the right place at the right time, but it wasn't just that, right? It was also your curiosity into okay, a lot of people are going to college, but before they go to graduate school, they have had some experience. So maybe I should apply. So that was a really good turnaround, right? Like maybe I should apply. Maybe I should get some experience. And that's where you had done enough work in your, in your college work that you had read all the right books where the Confinity CEO was like, okay, yes, you're in. Let's uh -huh. go for lunch. Yes, we had breakfast. Uh, I tell the story in the book. We, mm -hmm. I got invited to breakfast with the CEO of this company and I had never met a CEO before and I was very nervous. I didn't know what to wear. I didn't, you know, and I was, yeah. I got my resume printed on this very fancy paper mm -hmm. and we went, had breakfast and pretty much he didn't even look at my resume. Yeah. And by the way, this is Peter Thiel who, mm -hmm. you know, who's now very famous. He wasn't famous then. Sure. 
but he didn't even look at my resume. All he did, he, you know, he asked me a lot about myself. And then when I told him I had traveled around Europe that summer with my girlfriend and read a bunch of books, mm -hmm. he asked me what books I had read. And that became the only thing we talked about. He wanted to know like, what were the books? What did I learn from them? And, and I joke, I, I guess I read the right books because then I got hired. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good story. And, and they, it lead into what it really takes to connect with people, right? It's not mm. your resume. It's not what you did. It's how you live your life and what experiences do you extract from your life? Mm. Because that's what we want. When we're, when we're hanging out with other people, we want to see, have they had the same experiences that I've had? Are they the same curious person that I am? We, mm -hmm. we want to find ourselves in other people. And the more we do, the more we're like, oh my God, I want to work with this guy more. Mm, that's so true. I feel like one of the things I've learned over the years is how important it is to be really true to myself mm. and to just be myself yeah. and not try to be what I think other people want me to be or how I think they want me to be. Mm -hmm. And I think the mechanism for this is that when you get to know yourself very deeply and you, you know, act in alignment with yourself. So you do the things that you're interested in because yeah. you're interested in them, not because you think it's going to make you more interesting for someone else. Yeah. Right. Um, when you do that, you become, I feel like you become so happy and so fulfilled that you become like radiant yeah, and then you become a bright light and people are attracted to that light. It, it feels good to be around, you know, that light. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm always recommending to people follow your heart, follow yeah. your passion. And if you do that, this comes up a lot in relationship mm -hmm. context, I feel, yeah. you know, someone's like, trying to find the right person to be in a relationship with. And I'm like, yeah. Don't go looking for someone. Just be the best version of yourself. And those mm. people will get attracted to you. Yeah. Man, that is so true. And to, to piggyback off of that, that's a clubhouse term we've been hearing. Recently, just recently, Taylor Swift was on um, a show. And apparently some of the, top 10 songs are Taylor Swift songs. Now she's been creating content for the past 20 years and she's only 32. And she's, what amazing. She's, she's, she's amazing. She's amazing. Right. Because what she did is she's like, she's like, I love writing. And the more I write, I find that I like it even more. And I go deeper and deeper. So she keeps doing the work that makes her happy, which creates even more gold and even more better things that then she gets to share with the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think she's amazing and incredible creator. Yeah. And so this is a, it's a good lesson, I think for entrepreneurs as well, mm -hmm. that if you're, if you're doing something entrepreneurial, don't necessarily do the thing that you think other people want you to do, or that yeah. you think the customers want you to do, or mm -hmm. there's, I suppose there's a fine line in some of these places, but yeah really at the core, it's what is the thing you're really passionate about? Because if you're that passionate about it, you're going to show up 
for that creation every day yeah. with the energy and the and the excitement that is required to move it forward right because yeah. like as an entrepreneur a lot of times you're trying to convince you know convince customers to use your product or convince mm -hmm. partners to partner with you on something or con convince employees to work yeah. at your company yeah. and if you're not bringing that energy and excitement and enthusiasm you can't expect anyone else around your creation to have it either yeah no you're so true and that's why when when you wrote the book you know silicon valley porn star you're opening yourself up right you're yes and and that's where people connect like hey if you're opening yourself up guess what i'm going to open myself up and connect with you because you've shown me you're human that's right and so like a big part of my book even even just the cover Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't design the cover. I had a cover designer that helped me yeah. and she showed me lots of different options. But when I saw this option, mm -hmm. I just saw like a heart bursting open and light yeah. coming out. And I was like, okay, that, that has to be it. But the, probably the most, there's so many lessons mm -hmm. in the book. Yeah. But one of the very important ones is that, well, and just for the listeners, I'll just go through a little bit more of the story of course, to, yeah. to give them more context. But so I had this amazing thing happen to me in Silicon Valley, kind of working alongside these amazing creators, made lots of money when I was young, kind of went off the rails. And it started with pornography. It then went into hookups. You know, first it was Craigslist. And it was ex escort websites. Mm -hmm. And all the while I was dating and then engaged and then married. And these things were still happening in the background. And I was, so I was now cheating on my wife. Mm -hmm. It was just a really bad situation. And this persisted for a long time. And at some point I got caught and I realized I had a serious problem mm -hmm. and that I, I couldn't stop. And I wound up going to a 12 step program. And that helped turn me around or, you know, really changed my life. Yeah. I had a life coach that I was working with who also was instrumental in me changing my life. And yeah. now I've been kind of climbing out of that and growing from there. I actually feel like I've lived two separate lives. Mm -hmm. And my healing, though, to come back to where I was, where we were earlier. Yeah. My healing only started when I started telling the truth. And I stopped keeping secrets. Yeah. And what was really interesting about that was keeping the secrets meant I wasn't in my integrity. Mm -hmm. That was affecting all of my relationships. Yeah. But it was also affecting my own power because I, I, was, I wasn't in my power, mm -hmm. you know? And as I started sharing my secrets and telling the truth and healing, I was able to access more of that power. And I feel like I had been successful prior to that, you know, yeah. by these external measures. But after that, I continued to build a venture capital firm and I was much more successful mm. on a lot of different fronts because I think I, I had access to a lot more of my, my own power. That is so well said because when you're holding on to a secret it's like you're holding on to it so an example that i remember is the teacher saying how much does this glass weigh 
It's a mm. glass full of water. And everybody's like, oh, it's 16 ounces, 12 ounces. Like, no, this is weightless because I can put it down anytime I want. But if you mm. hold on to it for hours on end, you're going to start feeling numbness in your arm and your shoulder. And then eventually your arm's going to give out. Right. And that's essentially what happens when you're keeping on to those grudges, to those secrets, to those things that are taking unnecessary space in our minds. Yeah. And they're essentially then suffocating of our own power. Yes. My, my life coach likes to use the example of a jar of marbles mm -hmm. and we have a t the marbles represent our attention particles. Yeah. And if you spill the marbles out on the floor and they're going all over the place, that's like your attention is scattered in all of mm -hmm. these different directions. Maybe you're just too busy because you're overcommitted yeah. to different projects. Yeah. Um, maybe you have secrets or something, you know, things that you don't want to tell or grudges or you know, you're not forgiving someone mm -hmm. for something, whatever. As you gradually take these marbles and start putting them back in the jar, you feel your power kind of condensing mm. and coalescing. And then it becomes more like a laser, yeah. right? Once you aggregate all those attention particles, then you become more like a laser. And wherever you focus your attention mm -hmm. becomes, you know, you become a lot more powerful. Yeah. I like I like that and and one thing that an, an entrepreneur should talk about is niching down and which is the same thing right you're yeah. focusing your energy on just one thing that you're passionate about that you know it's going to be profitable and that you know that you're have perfection in it yes and then you and then you build from there um the name of my first venture capital fund was subtraction capital wow and the, the whole point was that having been in entrepreneurial environments as an employee and as an executive, I learned kind of firsthand that the best way to succeed was to uh, focus on a smaller number of things just to get more focused. And so yeah. subtraction capital was all about this concept for entrepreneurs that, you know, it wasn't about doing more. It was about doing less but doing yeah. a smaller number of things better. I like that. And, and in chapter eight, you have a little quote by Bruce Lee. One does not accumulate, but eliminate. It is not daily increase, but daily decrease. The height of cultivation always runs to simplicity. I think that's, that's probably the beginning of that chapter that you just mentioned about. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I love that. This is so cool, man. I I'm, I'm feel, I feel very honored to, you know, be able to, have the conversation with you and talk about the different journeys that you've been on, the living the two lives, right? It, it's very, it's very interesting because our minds are so powerful. Mm. They have immense energy to be able to cut out the things that are affecting us. And when you give it the ability to let go of those things that are holding it back, what you're able to do is truly monumental. That's right. I, and I feel like when I think about entrepreneurship, so after I went through all of those things mm -hmm. and really changed my life a hundred percent. And, and I say this in the book, I, I'm not proud of the things that I did, but I'm yeah. proud of who I am today. Yeah. You know, and I learned a lot from that journey there. You know, I did a lot of things again that I'm, I'm not proud of, but mm -hmm. I learned a lot. And when I then started to take that into the work I was doing with entrepreneurs, it really changed 
things. It really changed the conversation. It changed yeah. my understanding of entrepreneurship. And I got to the point where it felt to me like entrepreneurship was a way of manifesting something in the world that was a reflection of you. Yeah. Right. If you're the founding CEO of some company, mm-hmm. your creation is a reflection of you. Yeah. And, and that means that your creation is also going to reflect back any places where you're blocked yeah. or where you're limited or, you know, where you have a limiting belief or where you have a fear. And so it turns out if you look at someone's entrepreneurial creation mm-hmm. and there's an area where they're stuck and the business won't grow in that dimension, yeah. that says that there's something inside of them that they have to work on. And if they work on that with a coach or a therapist mm-hmm. or a interested investor, like it was in my case, most of the yeah. time, yeah. all of a sudden it starts to, you know, if you work on that inside yourself, it starts to show up in the Mm. physical manifestation of your company. So if you feel like your company is blocked, it's not growing as fast as you want, Mm. or you can't retain the right employees, or you seem to hire the wrong employees all the time or something like that. Yeah. The answer to all of those things is inside of you. My God. I'm getting (laughs) chills right now because it's, it's answering a lot of questions that I've that I've been having. Why can I not go past this level in my own company, right? Mm. It's because I feel like I'm not good at sales. And that's only because I'm not on a lot of sales calls. <laughs> right? Maybe. So so maybe that's maybe that's one of the reasons. Or maybe it's it's a past that's haunting me because back in two thousand was it seven or 2000, 2001, I was working for this company and I came in as a salesperson and all I had to do was cold calls. I had never done this before. Actually, I'd done similar thing before where I, where I, I would call subscribers and I'm like, hey, would you like us to send you the latest catalog for blah, blah, blah. So in this one, I was like, hey, how hard could it be to sell used computers, to use laptops to people? And turned out it was really hard. I only lasted for three months at this company. And they're like, you're, uh, you're not meeting your quota. That was I'm pretty like, good though. Okay. <laughs> but I feel like that haunted me because number one, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have any training on sales. I didn't have anybody telling me, oh, you should do it this way. And I didn't know to ask for help either. Because mm-hmm. knowing who I am, I'm, I'm self, self-sufficient, self uh you know, learning and assembling and taking computers apart and technology apart. So I've had that already. And I would look over to the tech side because there was a tech department that would assemble and, you know, fix computers. I was like, can I transfer over there? And they're like, no, no, we already have it full. So that was an interesting experience. So I'm I'm wondering if that's keeping me from thinking that I'm not a good salesperson. Maybe. And, you know, I didn't intend for this to be like a coaching <laughs> call, but we can, we, we can go there if you want. Uh, it, it's okay with me. That might be the case, mm-hmm. but my guess is that it's something deeper. Yeah. My experience usually is that most of us, myself included, are not going deep enough. Mm. We're still trying to solve these conundrums with our head and usually the answer is in our heart 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Usually no, the you're, answer you're is, right. is in our heart. It's, yeah. It's it's most likely in our. I mean, it's absolutely in the heart because human beings are beings of feeling. We like to feel, and and you know, we buy on on impulse because I want to have the latest iPhone with the forty eight megapixel, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. That feeling and and whatnot. So. Absolutely. Maybe there's some hard element that's, that I'm missing, but thank well, you. Not, thank you. Oh, no problem. No problem. Can, can I say more on this? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So not only, I mean, it's a heart thing. Sometimes I'll describe it as like a conscious brain versus a subconscious brain. Um, sometimes it's about feelings and emotions, mm-hmm. which maybe heart is a summary for those things. Yeah. But I was listening to a neuroscientist talk one time about the difference in computational power between our conscious brain and all the other stuff, Mm. you know, feelings, emotions, subconscious, whatever you want to call it. And he put a, a, a dot on a whiteboard in the front of the room. And he said, you know, if this is the computational power of your conscious brain, what is the computational power of everything else? You know, Mm -hmm. the information value of everything else. And everyone guessed, you know, 10x, 100x, 1000x. And he said, no, their research suggests that if the dot on the whiteboard is your conscious brain, the size of the earth would represent all the other information that's out there Mm -hmm. um, by comparison. And so it turns out when you tap into that, you get a lot more computational power mm. and a lot more information. And, and I think it helps drive, you know, answers to these conundrums yeah. in a different way. It's a, it's a different way of solving the problem, but I think it yeah. works. No, you're, you're, you're right in, in so many ways because, so that was, that was the past, right? That's what I kept thinking. Yeah. But the more I entered and, and um, took into my own hands what I knew. I know I've converted a lot of people to start using Apple devices, <laughs> so right? So I've done that. I've, I've helped people, you know, go from one thought to having more thoughts. So I think I've overcome that a little bit, but I still have deeper to go for sure. Yeah. Well, do you have so a coach or a mentor or a therapist that you work with? <laughs> I do. I have a coach that I work with and and he's like, just do the work and uh, keep digging deeper. Ask, have those conversations, have those, mm. yeah, build those that's relationships. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, I encourage everyone to have someone yeah. um, that is a safe place for them to explore these things Absolutely. and you know, someone to kind of call you out on your BS and push you out of your comfort zone and yeah. push you, you know, I think it's really important. No, 100%. And, and uh, that's why athletes have coaches because they want you to perf- be performing the top level in, in your, um, in your sports. So why not? That's right. And us? E- yeah, that's right. And even at the top level. So mm-hmm. Tiger Woods has a coach. Uh, Michael Phelps, you know, had a coach, mm-hmm. you know, the coach there, there, there's, there's limits to what we can do on our own. Yeah. You know? And there's so I'm always limits. encouraging entrepreneurs to surround themselves with 
you know, great mentors, coaches, therapists, whatever, so they can continue doing that internal work because it manifests as growth in their business. I, I often tell CEOs that if you're the founding CEO of a business, mm -hmm. that the business can't grow faster than you grow. Oh, wow. And it, and it can't grow bigger mm -hmm. than you grow. Mm -hmm. um, no matter how so many systems you have in place. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You have to keep growing. You have to keep expanding if you want your business to expand. Wow. I love that. Well, Jason, we've had a really deep conversation. We got to learn about your journey, your origin story. We got to learn about your amazing book that I'm still reading and finishing. There's so many lessons to learn in there. And I'm sure the audience is going to enjoy listening and reading the book as well. I'm waiting on the audible version. So uh, let me know when you're working on that. <laughs> Yeah, I actually just scheduled my recording sessions for my audiobook for uh, mid-November. Nice. So yes, that. I'm excited to do that. I'm a little bit nervous because it's weird to hear yourself. You I, know. Know. <laughs> I know, I know, But I'm also excited. It'll be nice to have that done. I love it. All right, we'll take a quick break. And then when we get back, Jason's going to share three hacks to take away. So stick around and we'll be right back. I'm Janet Ahmed, host of Hacks and Hobbies podcast and a digital presence advisor at HumbleZone. This episode is brought to you by Home Studio Mastery. I launched a consultation and course program to help podcasters and course creators to create a space in their homes that will reduce the friction of creating content and appearing their best when showing up on camera. The pandemic gave us a lot of issues, but this one is here to stay. We're now so much closer to our audience thanks to video becoming more popular and affordable. I help guide folks who want to create Hollywood-worthy studios to not only capture great content, but also build more confidence, more authority, and be more comfortable in front of the camera. If I can do it, you can too. And with my help, you can do it faster. So if you'd like to learn more, visit homestudiomastery.com and how you too can create a home studio that brings out your personality, professionalism, and possibilities. Welcome back guys. We've been speaking with Jason Portnoy, amazing human, a good friend of mine now. <laughs> I can say that. Yeah. Jason, thank you so much, man. You've got three hacks to share and we were talking in the green room. There, these are some really good ones. So let's hear it. Okay. Well, the first hack I feel, and it's hard to know what, you know, what order to put these in, but three things that have been really in, impactful for me. Number one, when I learned to simplify, 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 simplify. I mentioned earlier the, the name of my first venture capital firm was Subtraction Capital, uh, you know, based on this concept of doing fewer things and focusing more attention on fewer things so that I could do them better. And what's amazing to me is how difficult that is to do. Mm. Because even when I feel like I'm simplifying, sometimes I pick my head up and I realize, oh my gosh, I'm spread too thin again. Mm -hmm. And then I have to simplify, simplify, simplify. And then 
I get lazy again. I start committing to too many things or yeah. distracting myself with projects. And then again, one day I wake up, I feel like I'm spread too thin. My attention is more like a floodlight mm. instead of a laser. And I realize, okay, I need to simplify again and get back to that laser. So yeah. simplify and subtraction is a big one. I think another one for me is the importance of not keeping any secrets. Mm. And I know, again, like when I was living a life where I was keeping secrets, I was not in my integrity and it was affecting my power. I was just, I didn't, I wasn't as powerful as I could have been mm. when I was keeping secrets. And in my case, my secrets involved, you know, an addiction to pornography and sex and cheating on my wife. I know that that's not everyone's secret. Mm -hmm. I do feel like, unfortunately, in our society these days, pornography has become so common. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like most men, mostly it's men consuming pornography. And when they do, they usually don't talk about it. Yeah, They usually keep it a secret from their girlfriend, spouse, boyfriend, whoever is in their life. Mm -hmm. And that means they're keeping a secret and that's going to erode their power. It's going to pull them out of their integrity. And so yeah. that's another hack, like find a place to tell your secrets. It could be a journal. It could be a coach, a therapist. It's not a friend or a family member or certainly right. not a coworker, you know, <laughs> it's a, that could, uh, that could go. <laughs> That could go wrong in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Simplify, number one. Number two, find a place to tell your secrets and, and figure out why you're keeping secrets. And the third one, what were we talking about in the green room? I can't remember the third one. I think it was about challenges. Or keep climbing. Yes, that's keep right. Climbing. Keep mm -hmm. climbing. Thank you so much. That's how mm -hmm. terrible for me to forget that. My... <laughs> The, the publishing company I started to publish my book was called Honest Climb Media. Mm -hmm. And in my book, I talk about, I had to start climbing my mountain, climbing my spiritual mountain, yeah. which is another way of saying I had to start going on that inward journey and understanding who I was and challenging everything about myself and all the assumptions that I thought made a lot of sense. And I encourage people to stay Continue to do that. Challenge everything in your life. Sometimes I meet people that say, well, I do X, Y, and Z, but that's just who I am. Mm. And, you know, in one breath, they're telling me I'm not getting what I want out of life in this area. Could be relationship, work, family, you know, kids, whatever. And then in the next breath, they'll say, well, I do this thing, but that's just who I am. Mm. And they don't see the connection. And it's, it's fascinating that they... They don't see the connection. They feel like it's yeah. two different things. Yeah. And I say, you have to challenge that, that, you know, you're not, you can't say that's just who I am mm. because none of us are just anything. Yeah. You know, that's a story that we build around ourselves and an identity that we give ourselves, but that's just a creation. And if you can challenge those creations and strip them away then you can really let your light shine. And, and that again, makes you more powerful. I feel like powerful is kind of a theme for me. Yeah, today, I think I guess. so. But, yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, it's actually, I mean, it's a theme in my own life. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of the things I'm working on right now is yeah. allowing myself to grow and expand and be more powerful and not be afraid. No, that's so true. And so many stories and so many movies talk about this power and how it's acquired by being good or being bad, right? So you got to find that integrity with the moral uprightness that you mentioned in the book. I mean, I, yeah. I love that. I love that because I talk a lot about moral, you know, being being a dad to four kids and I got to set that tone for them. You know, they look up to me. So I got to make sure that everything that I'm teaching them or being, it's it's mirrored in that moral uprightness. That's exactly right because they are so tuned in mm-hmm. because they haven't been you know, covered over with all the indoctrinations from a lifetime in our culture and society. They're so tuned in to your energy Mm -hmm. that even if you think you're hiding something from them, you're not. They feel it. They know it. They can't put words to it, right? But they know it. I mean, I go through this with my own kids. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I love that. My God, Jason, this has been so much fun talking with you and and you sharing your wisdom and your journey with us and being an open book. Like literally you're an thanks. open book right here, right? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, I've got some cool, cool questions I like to ask my guests towards the end of the episode. So are you ready? Sure. All right. Yeah, let's do it. What is the one hobby that you wish you got into? Oh, that's a good question. Martial arts. I really wish I knew karate, kung fu, any really anything. Anything. And I started to try uh, a couple months ago, actually, Mm -hmm. and I was so sore. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to injure myself. So you know, starting in my 40s, I'm not sure if I can do that. I'm I'm still going to try, but I really wish I had done that when I was a kid. I think having that mastery over your body is really cool. It is really, really amazing Uh, because you're now in tune, like your mind and your body is is in tune. It's like- I believe it. The software and hardware, you know, they got to work together. I believe it. Did you study martial arts at all? So I I studied a little bit. Um, Back when I was 19, I did some Jeet Kune Do, like only for three months. And then I moved out to uh, California and I- didn't get it, didn't find that same place. So Jeet Kune Do is something that Bruce Lee invented. Mm. Uh, it's also called, you know, it's also known as kickboxing, but I never really got back into it, but I mm. always wanted to. So, But even, I bet even just those three months were mm-hmm. impactful, right? Very. Yeah, isn't very. that crazy? Yeah. So impactful that one of the maxims, I think Bruce Lee used the word humble. So impactful that I use that humble as my company, Humble Zone. That is so crazy. At the very beginning, I was going to ask you to tell mm-hmm. me why you use that name because I noticed it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I love Thank that. You. So 20 years ago or so is when I formed the company, Humble Zone, because I really felt that we all need to be humble. We all need to think before we act and, and you know, all those things. And that just stuck to me. And I've, I've been trying to find the maxim and I just have still haven't found it. And I knew it was like in this booklet. I found the booklet, the PDF version, but I still couldn't find that maxim. But it was, I, I lived by that for, for many, many months, many, many years. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. 
Next up, what did you want to be when you were a child? When I was a child, I wanted to be a Formula One race car driver. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can I go back to that future? Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. and as an adult, I've gone and done like kart racing, mm -hmm. you know, and I love that. Yeah. But yeah, I think I missed my window to be a Formula One driver. <laughs> you know, they're, they're making these uh, go-karts really fast now, especially all electric ones. Yeah. Yeah. Amazingly fast. They're really fun to drive around. All right, next up. What is your favorite movie or TV show? My favorite movie, I'm going to actually, this is interesting you asked this question because I was thinking about this earlier today. Mm -hmm. My favorite movies, because the place I'm in in my journey right now, we yeah. didn't talk about this. My book on the surface is about this Silicon Valley executive struggling with porn and sex addiction. Sure. And then he comes out of it and stuff. This is like a surface level story. Mm -hmm. There's a, the story right underneath that is about a boy trying to mature, trying to grow up in a mm -hmm. culture that kind of perpetuates like an immature model of adulthood in a lot of ways. It's a big topic to bring up towards yeah. the end. But, and, and so I, I feel like a big part of my journey right now is, and, and part of my book was mm -hmm. this boy, even though he was 35 years old, he was still very much a boy. Yeah trying to understand how to transition into more adult male consciousness. Mm -hmm. And this still persists as part of my journey. Yeah. And so this is a, I love movies like Gladiator, mm -hmm. Dances with Wolves, yeah. the, uh, the, the Last Samurai with Tom Cruise, like stories of men who are embodying this kind of warrior energy that I see is this like very mature, they're in service mm -hmm. to the world around them. They don't, they're not trying to take from anyone. Yeah. They're trying they're to live. What's that? Yeah. No, keep going. No, they're, they're like trying to live in harmony, but they're also standing up for something that they feel strongly about. And I love movies like that. No, thank you so much, man. Gladiator was one of my favorites as well, especially like every single scene was just so nicely set up. And the other ones that you mentioned as well, just, it's really serene. Like the hero's journey, right? Yes. The hero's journey. So yes, which is my book is a version of the hero's journey. When you get to the end, yeah. it, it's like I, I went on that journey. Yeah, I love it. And part of, and a big part of the hero's journey, as mm -hmm. Joseph Campbell, who coined really that phrase, the term, yeah. is at the end of the journey how you try to share what you learned or what mm. you experienced. And that's, that's what we're here doing today. I love it, man. I love that. Wow. All right. Next up, what movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? Oh man, these are hard questions. <laughs> uh, so, simple. so it's like a movie that's already been made. If I got mm -hmm. to play in it, yeah. what, which one would I want to play in? Yeah. You know, I'm going to say something a little goofy right now, sure. but I just saw this movie Bullet Train uh -huh. with Brad Pitt. Oh, I want to go see that. And I, it was entertaining for yeah. sure. And it just looked like a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It looked like he was having a lot of fun. And so I thought, man, if I was going to act in a movie, something like that would be fun. 
Awesome. I love that. A little lowbrow relative to the rest of our conversation. <laughs> no, but, it's, it's perfect. I'm human. You, got, you need both. You need both, right? You can't be all That's deep right. all the time. You, you need the whole balance. That's right. I love that. Thank you. Next question. Who is your favorite superhero? Oh, that's easy. Superman. Superman. All right. So there was a period in my journey, it was probably after the, the book ends, mm-hmm. but I was really struggling to find good role models, mm-hmm. good adult, mature, masculine role models. Yeah. And at some point I realized Superman was a great role model. Yeah. He was strong. He was kind. He was in service yeah. to the world, trying to help, you know, all of those things. And so I went on Amazon and I bought a Superman doll and stood him on my desk. Nice. And he was my role model. Yeah. I love that. There's so many commonalities because, yeah, Superman is, is, is just amazing. And he's of a different world. Yeah, it's coming true. to this world, servicing and being in service. Because if you look at Jesus, if you look at all the prophets, what are they doing? They're being service to the man. Yes, they are, and they're they're tuned in. Wow, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I know we're we're setting up crumbs here. You know, maybe there we we'll go. Have a future version. <laughs> yeah. Last question: If you were a board game, what would it be? A board game, man, I don't play a lot of board games. If I was a board game, maybe, maybe chess, Mm. you know, there's something, there's a simplicity to chess, but obviously it's also has many, many layers. Yeah. And, uh, I would hope that I'm, I have some depth and I have a lot of different layers but I'm not trying to present as complicated, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I hope I come across as, you know, approachable and connectable. No, yeah. I, from, from everything you've shared and the conversation that we have, you, you are very approachable and uh, very kind. I mean, a lot of people don't have an understanding of, human being psychology, no matter what level you get to underneath, we're all humans. We all have mm. the same doubts in our minds. I was talking to my mastermind group earlier today and they were like, you know, a lot of creators have this blockage. And like, it's not just creators, a lot of artists, a lot of like, you just put a name next to it. The underlying factor is we're all human beings and we all feel and have the same doubts about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. So Jason, thank you so much for taking this time and speaking with me today on, on Hacks and Hobbies. I'll be sure to include the link to your book. People can go check it out. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's on all, all the different places that you can find. Yeah. And uh, Jason, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Just through my website, jasonportnoy.com. Um, there's a place there where you can send me a message and I love hearing from people. I've gotten lots of emails from people from all over the world telling me that the book was impactful and really helped them. And sometimes we get into dialogue, email exchanges. Sometimes we schedule a call and talk for a little bit. Yeah. It's been really fun to hear from people. I love it, man. Thank you again so much. And we'll catch you in the next one. 
Sounds good, thanks. Congratulations, you made it to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to our guest on this episode. Please send me an email at junaid at hatsandhobbies.com to tell me what you loved about our guest today. You can find links mentioned in this episode on the hacksandhobbies.com website.